0: Hey, I'm John, and welcome to the last week in our Kingdom of God Discipleship Module. This is week six. Hope you've enjoyed it. I know I've enjoyed uh, studying this and, and sharing some of it with you. In the past five weeks, we've been looking at the nature of the Kingdom of God. Uh, We've seen how the kingdom is manifested from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, We've looked at the relationship between the kingdom and the church. We've looked at what the culture of the kingdom is and and what are the practices of the kingdom. In this last video, I want us to look at some common misconceptions about the kingdom of God, and specifically, we're going to look at three. Uh, First off, we're going to look at nationalism, and then second, uh, the idea of too much earth and not enough heaven. And then third, too much heaven and not enough earth. And those will become clear uh, once we get into those videos. But in this first video, let's look at the error of nationalism. Now this is a term that's kind of been used a lot more in the news lately and has come to our attention. And there's lots of different ideas. I couldn't necessarily find a, a an official definition of what nationalism is. And it can take various forms. It can be wedding a culture, a particular culture or nation, to The gospel. Uh, For all the good 19th century missionaries did in spreading the gospel, I think one of the fair critiques about them was they often were not just spreading the gospel, but also Western culture, uh, that they saw that to become a good Christian, you would have to adopt things about Western culture that may or may not have been Christian. Uh, They were not necessarily just looking to make converts, but were looking to make Westerners. It, It can also take the form of saying that, you know, to be a true citizen of whatever country, you need to have this religion. So Christian nationalism might take the form of, to be a true American, well, you need to be a Christian. Uh, we saw a nationalism like this in Germany in the early 1900s. Several people have documented how uh, a, a form of Christian nationalism really built the foundation and set the stage for the rise of Nazi Germany and then Hitler and the Holocaust Today in India, we see a form of uh, Indian nationalism, Hindu nationalism, which is saying to be an Indian means that you must be a Hindu. And tied to that has been increasing persecution uh, towards Christians and Muslims. Now, the thing is that the scripture makes very clear that the gospel is supposed to go into all cultures. The gospel is not wed to a particular culture. It really carries its own culture that then kind of manifests in slightly different ways in all the cultures of the world. Jesus gave his apostles their commission in Acts 1, verse 7. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Christianity is not supposed to be limited to any one country or region or people group, but is to go to the ends of the earth. Additionally, if we go to Revelation 7, 9, where John has this vision of heaven, and in it we read, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands." While all the people wearing the same thing in this passage, white robes, John makes the interesting note that there are people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. He is noting that that task given to the apostles in Acts 1-7 to go to the ends of the earth has now been completed. But have you ever wondered how can John know that there are people from different nations and tribes and people and languages? Well, To be able to recognize that, they must have had some type of cultural markers of their heritage or tribe. How can he tell there are different tribes represented there if there were no indicators of those tribes? Well, there must have been some sort of indicator of tribal identity. How can we know that every language is represented unless he is able to hear various languages being spoken? Now, language is a particularly interesting thing because why are there so many languages throughout the world? Well, if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel, up to that point, humanity had spoken one common tongue, and God scattered them and gave them a bunch of different languages to kind of keep humanity at bay from complete idolatry. And then in the New Testament, though, we see that the gospel is supposed to go to all nations. And how does God then address the language problem that he introduced way back in Genesis 11? Well, he doesn't undo the effects of Babel by giving everyone a common tongue again, but he essentially calls and has the gospel be spoken into every person's own language so that Bibles should be translated into people's own languages in their mother tongue. And we see the effects of that in heaven. We don't then converge all back to one single language when we get to heaven, but we keep our native languages and offer praise to God in them. Well, this idea of nationalism isn't anything new. In fact, we see uh, vestiges of it in the early church in the New Testament. Uh, In the Old Testament, there was an understood promise that one day uh, worship will spread throughout the entire earth, that all people will come and worship God. You can look at many of the prophets who talk about things like that. And in the Old Testament, we would see certain times when someone who is not a Hebrew would come and become a worshiper of Yahweh, of the Israelite God. But to do that, they also had to become Jewish. They had to have their household circumcised. They had to follow the Jewish dietary laws and other. Other regulations. that To follow Yahweh also meant to adopt a particular culture of Israel. So if you wanted to worship God, you had to leave your culture and take on a Jewish cultural identity. And in the New Testament, Christianity started out as a largely Jewish religion, almost exclusively so. The Jews had the power in the church and Gentiles were on the fringe. But then what we see in the book of Acts is this change. Paul and Barnabas go on their first missionary journey and suddenly that kind of trickle of Gentiles coming into the church becomes a flood. And this was really unsettling for many of the Jews, because suddenly now there are people who are their brothers and sisters in Christ, but entirely different cultures than they were used to. They realized it's not going to be a Jewish religion for much longer. Some of those customs that we've become very comfortable with, well, we might have to give those up. And naturally, some people didn't want to do that. And so... There was debate about, well, how Jewish do these new Christians need to become? Because the Gentile converts weren't becoming Jewish. Just make it very practical. Let's say you were raised Jewish and you became a Christian. Well, you had a strong culture that was, you know, Jewish culture. You wouldn't eat certain things like bacon or, or pork. And now suddenly, these Gentiles are starting to come into your church and becoming Christians. And by the way, they love bacon-wrapped burritos. In fact, they eat them every day and they love to talk about all the different things that they wrap in bacon and how good it is. Well. Now, not only can you not eat that food that they love, you find it kind of offensive. And there's no way then that you can share a meal with them because there's a good chance that they're going to wrap it in bacon and you don't want to offend them. And so see, we, we see this challenge where the Jews and Gentiles, who are supposed to be one, weren't even able to share a meal together. How are you supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ but are suspicious of what, each other, what you're going to be served for dinner? And so this causes tension in the early church. Uh, Walt went into this uh, in more detail uh, back in week uh, four. And in Acts 15, some of the Jews come forward and are kind of following behind some of the early Christian missionaries, telling them, hey, it's great that you've accepted this new religion called Christianity. Uh, Now I'm going to tell you how to move up to the next level to be an even better Christian. And it means you need to accept the Jewish culture as well. So in Acts 15.5, it says, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So they're saying, if you're going to be Christian, you need to become Jewish through circumcision, and that was then kind of a, a, a placeholder for all the other things that marked how a Jewish people ate and dressed and behaved. You need to follow our laws and customs. And so the leaders of the early church all gathered together in Jerusalem for a council. Uh, our presbytery meetings in some ways are modeled after this same idea of the church leaders gathering together to decide on things. And their decision would have wide-ranging implications. I mean, it would set the trajectory for Christianity. It would affect us today as whether or not we eat bacon or not. And so James gets up, who is one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. He's a brother of Jesus, and he's Jewish, and he takes a prominent role in this council. He would have been very sympathetic to the Jewish argument because that's his people. Those are his people. That's his culture. But as James is listening to the various arguments, he remembers the Old Testament prophet Amos. And in chapter 9, it prophesies of a time when David's family line is restored and then even the Gentiles will turn to God. And This light goes off in James' mind. He realizes, wait, Jesus, I'm part of David's family line. Jesus is my brother. He is the restored line of David. And we are seeing Gentiles turn to God. And how do we know they're, they're coming to God? Because we see the Holy Spirit falling upon them. Right? The Holy Spirit was kind of like God's seal of approval that this person is a genuine Christian. And that happened, that seal of approval fell on them simply when they repented in faith and turned to Jesus, not when they became Jewish. And so he stands up in Acts 15, 19 and says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. James realizes that his culture that he's familiar with and used to and he loves had been getting in the way of God's missionary work to the Gentiles. He realizes that it's the gospel, not Jewish culture, that is to go to all nations. Those had been one and the same up until this point throughout the Old Testament, but James now realizes those are two separate things. The gospel's to go to all nations, even if Judaism isn't in that culture. And in a similar way, You know, we today come with certain cultural baggage, and we love our country. I love the United States. It's a great country. There are many blessings of living here. But we need to make sure that we are able to unwind some of the places where those things get intertwined to ensure that the gospel is what is going to all nations, and we aren't even inadvertently trying to make people Westerners or Americans too as we spread the gospel. The gospel is what goes to all nations. No one nation is to take over the entire world. The church is primarily seeking to make Christian disciples, not Westerners or conservatives or democracies or any of those things, that sometimes they're good things. But that's not what God's goal is. And the Apostle Paul makes this clear in Ephesians 2, 14 through 17. For he, Christ himself, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, Thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility from a Jewish perspective, there were two basic ethnicities, Jews and Gentiles. The whole world could be divided into that. And Paul's point is that Christ didn't come to make Gentiles Jewish or Jews Gentile, but to create a new ethnicity, a new kingdom united from these two groups that used to be at war. And that is what the kingdom of God looks like.